Dementors. Hey, that was pretty good. That right? was on fleek, as on the kids fleek. say. It. What does that even mean? I have no idea. Of course, you don't know because you're not as cool as your older by 20 minutes twin brother, Vadim. Vadim did have an extra 20 minutes to learn American vocabulary when he was born in Soviet Belarus. So that does make a lot of sense, Vadim. That does make a lot of sense. Sometimes it don't make sense. So, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and such. And Uh, such. Who else? Who's who's and such? Remember infants once you mentioned? Uh, We still like them. Um, We are Sergey and Vadim of The Mentors, and this is a show where we provide insights into how entrepreneurs and creators get their ventures off the ground to hopefully help them overcome obstacles faced in the critical early days. Well, those early days are tough and most companies fail in the first year and oftentimes they fail because people give up too early. Um, So that's really what we focus on on this podcast. But today we're going to talk about uh, a concept that's related but a little bit different. We're going to talk about when is it the right time to quit your job to pursue your own business? Because um, some might say there is never a right time. It's it's very risky, of course, always doing your own business. But um, we're going to help you think through what might be the most appropriate time for you. So what... Spit it out. <laughs> what can you do before you quit? You know, a lot of times you might feel frustrated in your current job. You might feel like it's dead end uh, and you just want to get out. The short answer of whether or not you should quit is no, probably not. Probably not. Uh, If you think that you want to quit, just hang on there a little bit longer and really try to focus. Um, But there's so much you can do with the time that you do have. Uh, And really, most importantly, your ability to spend your free time investing in yourself, investing in actually learning and testing things for your business or whatever creation uh, you, you want to work on is a really good indicator for whether or not you should actually do it. Exactly. Uh, if you can't seem to find the time on nights and weekends or in any spare hour to work on your venture, then uh, then it might not be the right time. And maybe you're not pursuing the right thing. So let's talk a little bit about how you can find time throughout your day to make progress on your venture. And then we can get into a little bit later on what, what does progress look like? How do I know I'm making enough progress? So um, a quick story from Vadim and I, when we had our first jobs out of college, it was in finance. And We had been working at that company for about a year. We wanted to either join a startup or do our own. We had already a failed startup under our belts in college. Mm -hmm. And so for some reason, that gave us the confidence to perhaps start another one. Well, we knew that we did it wrong the first time around. We sold our car, made like three or $4,000 on it, invested all of that into building out a website without doing any customer validation, without... um, analyzing at all what the market opportunity was and really seeing whether or not there was demand for what we wanted to build. So at the very least, by this time, when we already had our first job out of college, we knew that that's not what we're going to do this time around. So that gave us a little bit more confidence and I guess a boost to say, okay, let's just try it again with something else. But we didn't know what. Well, you know, and at this point, we were, by the way, we started our first thing when we were 19 back in, I think it was 2006. 
uh, maybe 2005. And this was before there was so much information out there about what to do, what it takes to start a company. It was before Facebook. That's a bit of an excuse, though. We could have done a little bit more research, talked to more experienced entrepreneurs to understand how to validate a business. But today, you shall you should already be educating yourself during nights and weekends or free time at work. Uh, I should say free time, like lunch, for example, yeah. on what it takes to validate a concept. We're going to get into that in a second. But think about actually... Think about how much time you spend in the office on Reddit or Facebook or whatever it is. Let's say when you're grabbing coffee or going to the water cooler. Let's assume you're not doing it at water your cooler. desk. Well, you know, this, this is the 90s apparently. Cooler. But let's assume you're not doing it at your desk. Instead, shift your thinking. Try to make that time as productive as possible. So, you know, even though maybe there were a little bit less resources around at the time, it's not like we were doing this in the 60s. Okay, this was, <laughs> this was 10 years ago. Wow. So, uh, Jesus, 10 years ago. We old. Um, we but, old. Uh, but even then, we started to take the time to educate ourselves. And by the way, this kind of happened by accident. Uh, I just got really sick of uh, reading Dig. Do you guys remember what Dig is? Probably not because it failed. No one's here to answer you. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, do you remember what? I remember what that um, is. No, but uh, I got bored of that, and I was so excited into leaving finance. Me and Sergey both took, or Sergey and I, uh, both took the CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst exam. We luckily eventually passed it, and literally that's when I realized, not for us. Not for us. Uh, but we knew a lot to get into startups, and so just organically, we started to consume as much content as we could about entrepreneurship, startups, how to build a product, how to find customers, how to do sales, how to raise money. One of the best ways at the time to do that was to um, uh, go on Twitter, follow a bunch of angel investors, follow a bunch of successful entrepreneurs and see what kind of content they put out. So that was how we educated ourselves. And around about a year into that job that we dreaded so much, um, which was a nine to five, we came up with this idea for, I believe it was a hat business where we would, um, it was like a Tom's Shoes kind of model where we would sell hats and donate a hat to a homeless shelter. Uh, not a bad idea, although as we realized later, very, very seasonal and something that only applied to uh, Northeast market. So not the best idea in the world, but we wanted to prove out this concept. You know, we started reaching out to suppliers to get samples. We started building relationships with local homeless shelters to see if they'd be open to this. Um, and we started actually getting calls with people. And a lot of people ask us now, uh, you know, how can I possibly make progress? How can I take calls, for example, during work? Well, we actually, what we did is we, we had a private bathroom in the company. <laughs> Funny enough. Uh, it so was clean. It, it was a clean it was... bathroom. Um, it wasn't quite set up as an office, I will say. But we could close a door in there and be uh, essentially not have anybody... Uh, hear over our shoulder what we're talking about and mind you we did this not during business hours when we were supposed to be working but let's say during lunch the dedicated lunch hour that we had for example or 10 minutes 15 minutes before the workday started we would get to work early and schedule a call 15 minutes or half hour before the workday started and just do it from that bathroom now and the best part is <laughs> you could pee while you're doing a call i recommend against it they could pick up on that on the phone but oh, yeah. the, the point there is that we found the time, you know, we found 
a place in the office where we could make calls without using company resources. Another thing that we did is if we had in-person meetings, we would schedule them before work at 7.30 in the morning. Not everybody will agree to a meeting at 7.30 in the morning, but then we only set scheduled meetings with people that did, either before work or after work, we would offer to get somebody a beer. So you can bake into your schedule an hour here or there, uh, before work or after work or during lunch to take calls. And think about it, an hour, 20 minute to 30 minute calls, that's all you should be asking for anyway in the early days when you're trying to build a product and validate it. Uh, you can pack in two or three calls in one hour long period there. So. so what else can you do on your free time? Well, when I was working in finance, and Sergey also realized this as well, was the quickest path for us to get into startups, to get into tech, was to get a job doing sales. Um, there were plenty of entry-level opportunities available when we were 23 years old to do sales for startups, but you still had to prove that you had some sales experience, right? The old chicken and egg problem. And this is something that we tell college students all the time that complain about not having enough experience and graduating after college and, and, and seeing all these job descriptions that require you to actually have some sort of experience. How do you solve the chicken and egg problem? Well, get the experience yourself. So um, I was lucky enough so that I had a cousin, technically a nephew actually, Boris Refson of the Blockchain Brief, who was on our show a the few episodes ago, brief. who was working on his first startup out of UMass Amherst that was called Campus Live. Later, uh, they changed to Daily Break Media. And he was a pr already pretty far along. They had an office in Boston, literally down the street from my office at the finance shop that I had. And so I emailed him and I said, Boris, I want to get some experience doing sales. How can we make that happen? He said, do you mind working for free? I said, can you buy me beer? <laughs> no, but I, I said, no, of course, I, I don't mind working for free as long as I can learn directly from you and your VP of sales. Uh, so what we did is a lot of times I would be able to get out of work by 4.45 and I would literally walk the five minutes it took to get to his office and start cold calling the West Coast, right? Because in the West Coast, it was still two o'clock and also they sold to restaurants and uh, other small businesses. So really those businesses don't work uh, on a nine to five schedule. So it didn't really matter when you called them. Uh, but I worked with a VP of sales. He sat in on calls. He listened to me. He gave me feedback. He actually even gave me a script to follow in the very beginning. And I did that for three months, about twice a week. You know, it wasn't a full-time thing, but it was twice a week. And eventually I was able to put that on my resume as legitimate sales experience. And by the way, you don't have to put on your resume that uh, that this is uh, work that you do 40 hours a week, but this was now something substantial that could give me a leg up and I learned how to sell. I mean, I, I got some more confidence where I could use that skill in my future jobs and my own entrepreneurial ventures in the future. You threw yourself into that role without having much experience. So do free work if you can. Again, doesn't have to be full-time. Now, you may not have a relative or a friend that has a company where they can hire you, but guess what? Uh, we've had we've heard many people do this as well. Reach out to founders cold, especially it's a five, 10-person company. Uh, why not reach out to a couple people in your area that could be walking distance from your office or, or very closely driving distance and say, I'd love to work for you for free a couple times a week for just a few hours. Can I add value in any way? And tell them what way you can add value, particularly sales or perhaps, perhaps product side. Can you do something for them where you level up a skill, but you also help them at the same time? Now, uh, 
There are other things you can do. Again, it depends on your product, what you're trying to sell. But Vadim and I were more interested uh, before we left our jobs in starting some sort of a software business. So sales skills made sense, right? We needed to know how to sell to other businesses because we had no experience doing that. But you may have an idea for a consumer product, maybe a physical product, something you want to sell online, perhaps. Um, I know of several individuals, but two in particular that stand out through my work at Venture for America. One is Ashen Airy, which uh, they were just featured on Shark Tank uh, in October. They sell shirts for shorter men. Uh, and another is Zesty. They make high energy tea. They initially launched an e-commerce and now you can find them in, in many stores across the Northeast in physical stores. Um, they both had full-time jobs, these guys, when they were conceptualizing their businesses. They knew they had great ideas, but they didn't know if there was a market yet for it. So they participated in Venture for America's crowdfunding competition, but you can do this yourself on your own, where you do an Indiegogo campaign or a Kickstarter campaign to see if it will resonate with the market. Even with your friends and family, would they donate to a campaign to see a product like this exist? They both raised, I think, fifteen uh, to $20,000 dollars which showed them that there is a potential for this business. It gave them a little bit of runway, and a few months later, they were able to quit their job. So you can do a whole ton of research on what it takes to run a successful crowdfunding campaign. Maybe we'll even do an episode about that later, but there are many ways to validate, and that's just one way you can do without even leaving your job. Our initial impulse is to quit our job so that we can free up our time to work on our businesses, but that simply is not necessary, and you're not doing the most important thing in entrepreneurship, which is de-risking the opportunity. Uh, what they did, uh, what the entrepreneurs did with Zesty, with Ashenary, is they spent the time removing as much risk as possible. Guess what? If you need to do marketing for your product, you need to start writing a lot of content. Get up at eight o'clock in the morning every day and start writing content. Stay up past midnight after you know watching Friends or whatever, or just don't watch Friends <laughs> altogether, and start writing content. It's something that you have to do anyways. And if you don't feel like doing it, you probably shouldn't start yes, your own business. That's a very, very good point. It's a, it's a great litmus test for you. Uh, you may romanticize what this business is before you actually get in and start doing the hard work, right? When you're trying to get past the research stage, which you should be getting past as soon as possible. Uh, and you might realize that the work that it takes to actually bring this business to fruition and then the work you would have to take to continue to get revenue for this business is not actually work you're excited about. Maybe you just thought it would be exciting, but when it comes to actually doing it, you're not excited about it. Better to learn that before you quit your job than afterwards. So, Sergey, at what point after doing all this stuff should people be confident enough to say, you know what, let me take the plunge, let me take the risk, and quit my job because you know what? Now I have to spend at least 40, 50, 60, 100, whatever hours a week working on my business, my creation. That is one of the hardest questions to answer. Uh, so because, we won't. <laughs> so, yep. So figure it out, guys. Um, no, but it's, it's a tough question because obviously it depends on the business, the product, the market, uh, so many factors, your own financial health. But uh, we will give you a framework to think about this or at least to be able to make a decision. Uh, on it, it's always better when you do it, um, when you leave your job, because you have to, because you have so much demand, there's so much proof 
that there's a need for this business, that you absolutely have to quit your job. You're way too busy. Um, but if it's not that obvious, for most of us, it's not that obvious that this business is going to be successful. So how else can you can you think about when is the right time? How, how do I know that the business is validated enough? Well, can you are you at the point where you figured out a repeatable process for getting your business to market or a repeatable process for actually selling it? Meaning, have you sold it to more than one person? Of course, ideally three to five. I mean, one could be a fluke, two could be pretty good luck. But if you if you sold your product or service or uh, found a customer uh, the third time or fourth and fifth time, that's a pretty positive indicator. It's it's a lot more de-risk at this point. You'll probably find at least 10. If you're selling ice cream cones, um, maybe sell more than two or three customers. Uh, two or <laughs> Look at your margins, right? On the, other, on the flip side, if you're selling a, a software product that you built yourself to a large enterprise for $100,000, maybe that one customer is enough. Right. Uh, but again, have you figured out a process where you'll be able to take that and replicate it again? If that's the case, then you're probably ready to, to go full-time and it's pretty validated. The other rule of thumb is, do you have enough money in the bank? I mean, in the end of the day, this is all about de-risking. And if you're running out of money, and if you're breaking even every month, then you're going to take even longer not to quit your job. It's way too risky. This is the real world. You need to make money and pay the bills unless you want to be homeless. Uh, so what is a good number then, Sergey, for how many big bucks or little bucks you should have in the bank to be confident enough to quit your job. You know, I will say uh, I will say that money or lack thereof is actually a great motivator to figure stuff out, right? To make sure that you do have a business that generates revenue as quickly as possible. But that being said, if you're stressed about money every single day, you're not going to have the wherewithal to make the momentum necessary to get your business off the ground. So I would personally recommend to have at least six months of runway so in other words, six months of savings where you can pay for rent and basic things like food so that you can use that six months after you quit your job to level up on the sales, get to get to a point where you have a product that's consistently selling and that income can replace the income that you had at your job. Or at least if not replace, come close to it where you're not hungry, you're not worried about basic things. So six months is a pretty good rule of thumb. But what do you do? If you're working on your idea for four months, for five months, and you don't yet have significant revenue, you only have a month left, what do you do? So this is a tough question, a question in a, in a situation where you and I have actually faced it before. Yeah, uh, I would say this is going to pretty much depend on your appetite for risk, but there will come a point in the life of your business where you're going to have to make a decision of whether you're comfortable with taking on substantially more risk or not. So at that four or five point mark, do you feel like there's enough proof points in the market? Maybe you don't have enough revenue yet to pay your bills, but do you feel like you're getting very close? Do you have uh, investors coming to you and saying, I want to fund your business or friends and family that say, you know what, I'll give you some money so you can work on it, work on it for a few months. Are there any external uh pull points or external points of demand where you can say, this looks like it might work. I just need a little bit more time. And then, you know, you can decide for yourself. You may need to dip into or get into a little bit of credit card debt. We don't recommend getting into a credit card debt, but it is a reality that many entrepreneurs 
face, they they max out their personal credit cards before they have the collateral or the cash or the, uh, the the revenue to be able to take out business loans. Typically, you can't take out a business loan unless you collateralize it somehow yourself against personal assets. We recommend against doing that. So you want to you know wait until your business is generating enough income where you can leverage that to get into debt. But sometimes you may have to make that difficult decision that you know I will risk and take money from my grandma even though I might lose it all. <laughs> Program or I will take on five ten thousand dollars of credit card debt because I know that you know what in a couple months if I need to give up on this I'll get a job and I'll pay off that credit card debt if I have to the pain is worth it because I really want to make sure this is a reality so you have to gauge it yourself is it worth it for you to take that risk by the way there's other methods of extending your runway that are I guess equally as painful, but maybe uh, the reality as well. Like, for example, oh, I don't know, living again with your parents. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but uh, Sergey and myself in our late 20s did decide for six months uh, to move back home with our parents. Uh, And at the time, they were living in a a small apartment where it was basically four, four of us in a small apartment. And it was Shrug City. Um, basically working on trying to get customers and and talking to investors out of, you know, my mom's bedroom. Thank you, mom. Yeah. Uh Well, I will say though, so that was a tough experience. Uh, We love our parents. We we're lucky enough where we have parents we can go to in these type of situations. Hopefully you have friends where you can crash, uh, brothers, sisters, parents, whoever else you trust that would make sure you're not homeless. Right. That's, that's another way to hedge your risk a little bit. Um, for us, it actually worked as a great motivator because after a couple of months, we really did not want to live at home anymore. We wanted to go back and live on our own place. And, um, we had sort of a a shift, I think a little bit of a shift where within about toward the tail end of that experience, we were able to figure out how to get to revenue very, very quickly and move out of home very quickly. So that's what it took for us, um, to be able to get out of this situation. And unfortunately you may have to make sacrifices like this if you want to essentially have your own business or see a business get off the ground. So again, it depends on your risk profile. You may have to take on a little bit of debt. You may have to move back home with your parents or sleep on your friends or brother's couch. Um, But it also, again, depends on your situation. Look, if you have some wealthy folks in your family, uh, the three Fs, friends, family, fools, uh, that could give you a little bit of money, that might be an avenue to go as well to raise money for your business. Uh, The way that we always approach this is if you think you might fail, uh, don't borrow the money. Uh, If you're not that confident in your abilities, don't borrow the money because it's going to be a very, very painful experience when you lose it all within a couple of months. So again, this this depends on your risk profile, your relationships, people in your network, so on and so forth. Um, But sacrifices do have to be made a lot of times uh, and you know the sort of last lap if you will that last push in the end can a lot of times be uh, can make or break your business uh, and a lot of people end up being on the positive side of it but a lot more probably don't and you just have to be willing uh, to fail yeah so now let's say that you know you you followed some of this advice you have a little bit of savings in the bank, you have validated where you have a customer or a few, or at least you you have a very direct way to get customers and to, to build this product and to get customers and you decided that it's time to quit your job. How, Vadim, would you go about to quit tactfully to make sure you don't piss anyone off at the company and maybe even 
have them support you on your endeavor. Is there a way to do that if you're leaving to start something of your own? So first of all, burn as many bridges as you can. All of the bridges. Uh, no, actually, uh, there's, a, there's a few sort of do's and don'ts, or I should say don'ts. Uh, don't use your company time while you're there or their property to work on your business. That's not legal. So that means don't <laughs> use their computer. Don't print stuff for your business right. in the office. Don't uh, especially if you're going to get caught. Especially yeah. if you're going to get. But uh, yeah, don't uh, be directly competitive to them. In other words, don't steal their customers. Now, if you have a product that's complementary and um, there's room for you to work with those customers as well, that's okay. But don't compete directly with uh, the company that you're working at. Um, and also consider this, maybe if you're staying within the same domain and industry where you work, maybe that company can be your first customer. That happens a lot of the times for entrepreneurs. And if you have good relationships in the company that you're at, get them as a first customer and then eventually quitting will be a natural thing. I, I will add something here that you should uh, take a look at your non-disclosure agreement or non-compete agreement with the company that you most likely signed when you joined. Oftentimes there will be a clause there that you cannot directly compete with them or you can't go to a competitor for at least a year after leaving. Now, um, talk to <laughs> talk to an employment lawyer because actually mo oftentimes that's not actually enforceable. You can absolutely go leave and work for a competitor. Uh, but if you get the sued, first year, you have to spend but yeah, money on a lawyer. Exactly. You don't want to do so that. So you don't want to do that. And now if you're starting your own company, it's a little bit different because if you use their resources to get that business off the ground, they can claim that they deserve ownership in that business and sue you for ownership of potentially the whole thing. Something that you don't want to face, especially in the first year of your business. So um, try to avoid directly competing. Before you quit your job, of course, know the laws and rules in your respective state or country. Uh, in the U.S. and specifically in New York, uh, it's an at-will state, meaning um, it's you're at the will of the employer to get fired at any time, and you can also leave at will at any time. No one's binding you uh, to the job forever, but you can be respectful. There's ways to do this. You know, first of all, be thankful to your bosses. Be thankful to your colleagues for the opportunity that you've had for the fact that you got to learn from them. You know, these are all positive things that are helping you in your life and helping you grow. There is absolutely zero value in leaving uh, in a negative way and burning bridges because you never know. And this has happened to us many times in our careers where you then end up going back and building a relationship again uh, or asking for help from somebody that you've worked with in the past you know, the world is pretty small, especially when you live in a major city, you will uh, run into people again and your name will come up. And so even though you think, oh, you know what, I'm never gonna have to deal with them again, you'd be surprised. It may happen. And this is also in particular, you know, if you're in a small company, it could be with the leadership team. But regardless of the size of the company you're at, this is also with your direct supervisor. You may hate your direct supervisor, but um, and hopefully most of you love your supervisor. But if you're leaving why not make why not elevate them make them feel good about their time working with you even if even if you've disagreed in the past because guess what if down the line you ever need their help with something don't you want to make sure that they're friendly and open to helping you um, you want to make them feel good about your departure so make sure to thank them for everything they've done for you anything that you shouldn't say or do uh with the company Vadim, when you're leaving what wouldn't you say I wouldn't say, screw y'all, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Slam door. No, what I will say is, um, 
you know, try to be helpful wherever you can. I know this doesn't answer your question, Sergey, but you can answer it yourself. Uh, but try to be think, uh, helpful wherever you can. So offer to uh, help interview people that are going to replace you. Offer to train the new hires. Offer to, um, you know, come up with some kind of manual or uh, document that explains everything that you've done to make things as easy as possible. That type of stuff goes a long way. Yeah, uh, uh, to answer my own question of what I wouldn't say... I, I guess I wouldn't show all my cards, right? So your uh, boss may ask you or your supervisor or your colleagues even may ask you, how long have you been working on this business? What is the business exactly? Who are your customers? Like all these questions that people ask either because they're prying or ultimately or uh, possibly because they're just curious. Don't tell them everything. You don't right? have like, to. You don't have to tell them anything at all. You can say that, oh, this is an idea that I just had and I just feel like I need to pursue it and I can't really talk too much about it because we're still in development. And that is all. Now, if you have a good relationship with someone in the company and you want to tell them more, that's fine. That's up to you. But know that uh, if they're staying and you're leaving, it will probably come up in conversation with others later on. So only share what you're comfortable with them sharing with others. If you're going to quit your job and you think it's going to be a strenuous situation, keep calm, count to 10, talk slowly, do whatever you need to do to try to control the situation. Uh, but most importantly, come prepared. I mean, preparation is underrated. You know, if you know the rules, if you know the laws, if you are composed and you are knowledgeable, nothing bad can really happen. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Somebody gets angry at you and gets mad at you and doesn't give you uh, a recommendation for your next job. Hopefully you have other employees with whom you have a great relationships that can also give you a recommendation. If you don't have anyone that can, then maybe that's a red flag and you need to change your attitude a little bit in the workplace. But um, ultimately, the rule of thumb here is try to be positive, try to be helpful, and uh, no one's going to be angry for you for leaving. You know, We're in a world now where uh, people don't stay at jobs for 10, 20 years, and most um, bosses and managers understand that you know you need to look out for your, yourself and you need to keep your eyes open for opportunities that could advance your career or could make you happier. Yeah, um, and so most people are going to be okay with that. We talk we talk about this topic specifically on what to say or not to say with the boss to your boss when you're leaving your job, in particular if they react in a way you didn't expect. We actually have a video on. Uh, on YouTube about this that we're happy to share in the show notes. Um, so check it out. Hopefully this was helpful. We want all of you to uh, to have the confidence and the optimism to to leave your job when the time is right. But um, but hopefully this gives you a little bit of a framework or a little bit of ammunition to think about when is it the appropriate time because um, there's never going to be a perfect time. But there could be a better time than now for for some people. So if you're sitting here right now listening to this podcast on the way to work or on the way from work change your mindset get her done <laughs> we, say, uh, we say that too much, that too uh, much. no but Don't start doing the work tonight treat her well don't wait you'll feel better once you start moving forward towards your goal so if you're with us then say the mentors. the mentors. We're with the mentors. <laughs> all right. You know what? All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Cheers. And tune in next week. We're going to have a very special guest for you. <laughs>